And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular ever. Well, uh, the other one just stuck them up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to the Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Cavanaugh. With me as always, Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other is don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Candygram for Justin. Ooh, I like candy. Me too. I just had some um, nerds bites or no airheads bites. <laughs> I was going to say nerd bites. They're they're smaller than the regular nerds. (laughs) No, they're airheads bites, and uh, they're okay. They're not. They're not great. They're okay. Yeah, they're kind of hurt my teeth. That's not good. I had like eighteen pounds of of wildberry skittles yesterday, and I felt so just gross afterwards. (laughs) Was your mouth just like raw from from the hard candy? I don't think so. Mm. It was just. I just felt so full, like I have never eaten so much in my life. <laughs> so it was bad. Did you learn your lesson? Yeah, I stopped. <laughs> Portion control, baby. There you go. And so, <laughs> I uh, I'm good though. Good. I have recovered. I've since I have since come out of said Skittles coma, and now I'm feeling great. Good. I'm glad. I want you to be happy, always. Yeah, man. I'm tip top. Now. How, how how have you been? You've been good. You look good. Thanks. Uh, I've been I've been solid. I was in Nashville for the weekend, and that was fun. Lots of lots of country music. Um, Gross. And, I know, <laughs> and lots of uh, I don't know. There was a guy. He was wearing a cutoff T shirt, and it said, "I flexed," and the sleeves came off. <laughs> and I, I just it. I was like, "Oh, here we go." So, <laughs> um, but I had a good time. Really good food. Uh, the music, even though it was country, still was it sounded great. Uh, it was awesome to hear live music. Um, I mean, I, I had to avoid people because there were a good amount of people not wearing masks. So I was like, "Not in my town," but I followed the rules. So yeah, but it's uh, it's been solid. Um, good weekend, and I fly off to Austin tomorrow. Wow, look at you traveling all over. I know. I get my vaccination shot tomorrow also. It's going to be crazy. That's good. I know. Hopefully my arm doesn't fall off like yours did. Yeah, I had to, I had to find someone I could sew it back on. <laughs> Jigsaw? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it is a process. Yeah. I mean, it affects everyone differently. Uh, some people, it doesn't bother at all. I mean, I think a sore arm's pretty common, but mm-hmm. uh, some folks get like fevers and and job problems and sleepiness and nausea or they're nauseous and uh you know that's a small price to pay i suppose do you know what helps with that if you lick my butthole i believe it <laughs> you know that's from right obviously yes, okay yes. i just wanted to make sure i wasn't that wasn't an open invitation nor was i insulting you <laughs> i mean i took it as an open invitation <laughs> i've already booked my flight <laughs> Expedia.com. <laughs> cool. Yeah. But anyways, but that's that's all I did pretty much. Did you watch any movies or anything? You know, I on the airplane, on the uh airplane there, I did watch Avengers Endgame on the way to Nashville. So that was fine because you know, long movie, long flight. And then on the way back, um I don't think I watched anything. I watched episodes of TV shows and I tried to sleep and I listened to podcasts. It was just kind of like a weird flight. So um, not really anything. I've just been watching The Office. Um, 
I caught up to, I started watching a QAnon documentary on HBO. It's very weird and I'm not a huge fan of it. So yeah, that's pretty much it, man. I did not watch much, but what did you, you've been pretty busy. Uh, sort of, (laughs) I just been plowing through Breaking Bad. I haven't watched it since it aired. And, uh, so it's been a fun rewatch, but I've been plowing through. So since Thursday, I started season one and now I am already on episode three of season five. Damn. So, yeah, a lot of Walter White's up in this. I've heard the word bitch like 70,000 <laughs> times in the, in the last like four days. <laughs> bitch. So, yeah, where's my money, bitch? <laughs> yeah. Very cool. I, I, I do like Breaking Bad a lot. Mm-hmm. And he's good. He's good. Yeah. And so uh, it's kind of just juicing me up because I mean, I'm a really big fan of Better Call Saul and I'm going to rewatch that too. And uh, the only thing is the next season isn't until next year, which kind of blows it's like taking a whole year off. Well, and I haven't even watched season five yet for Better Call Saul. And it's annoying me because it's been out for what, over a year now. Yeah, it came out this time right when the when the pandemic started is when mm-hmm. season five started. So and so I've just been kind of waiting on Netflix to see if it'll pop up like the other four seasons. But it is not there yet. So yeah, it takes a year. Ugh. It's always a year. Ugh. Okay. For for that show anyway. Okay. Well, at least I'll have season five to savor and absolutely love it. I would almost argue that Better Call Saul is better than Breaking Bad, but uh, that's for a different time. Sure. I think the characters are way more likable in Better Call yeah. Saul. Oh, yeah. And that's the problem with Breaking Bad is that I hate every goddamn character <laughs> on this show. They're the worst. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. They drive me insane. Walter White is just the biggest piece ever. Uh, Skylar, his wife, just gets under my god dang skin. And then, like, Marie is always just, she's just a klepto that just steals shit all day long, and I can't stand her. <laughs> yeah. um, but Agent Schrader's not bad. He's just, you know, kind of super racist and oh, yeah. says a lot of inappropriate things, and so he's kind of obnoxious, but the, it's a really good show. Mm-hmm. There just aren't any likable characters. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's fair. That's accurate. Mm-hmm. So there you have it. So are you ready to talk about this week's movie? If we must. I think you picked it. <laughs> I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to do Venom from 2018. And uh, I know that you don't particularly care for this movie. And I'm sure you're going to tell me all the reasons why. <laughs> and I'm fine with that. And another thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That will be a law. And so I'm excited because this was a movie that had just come out when we decided to do this podcast. And I think one of the reasons that kind of stirred you in the direction to record a podcast was because you were so irritated with this movie and you wanted to just vent to someone, anyone that would listen, all the problems that existed in this movie. And I was the lucky winner. Who's the big winner tonight? <laughs> Justin's the big winner. And I go. got to hear all about it. So I'm excited to revisit that conversation. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So, yes, the film was directed by Ruben, what is it? Flesher? Fleischer. 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 Ruben Fleischer, who you might know from Zombieland 1 and 2, 30 Minutes or Less. He's a fan of that uh, fucking Lex Luthor, Jesse Eisenberg, Eisenberg. I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Gangster Squad, which I will go on record saying is absolutely terrible. Yeah, it's bad. I hate that movie. And it had incredible star power, Mm. but it uh, just didn't really do it for me. And then um, he's also directing the upcoming Uncharted film. Yeah, so Nathan Drake. Yeah. I'm okay with that, I suppose. 
the writers. This film is written by Jeff Pinkner, Scott Rosenberg, and Kelly Marcel. So three three writers came together to make this. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, looks like it. Was one of them like the source material or anything like that? Mm. And then the other no, one? No, um, Avi Arad uh, owns the rights to, you know, like Spider-Man Marvel stuff and... Uh, he produced it, so I'm sure that there was some other source material in there. I didn't really see anything, excuse me, on IMDb uh, in terms of that, that. That broke it down. Got it. Okay. The film stars Tom Hardy, our buddy Riz Ahmed, Michelle Williams, Scott Hayes, Reed Scott, and Jenny Slate, who I absolutely adore. Yeah. <laughs> She's so great. She is great. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> For all you Mona Lisa fans out there. And uh, yeah, so there's that. Critical Reception. Are you ready for this? This is mm-hmm. this is interesting. Have you seen this? You heard about this? So Venom has a twenty nine percent Rotten Tomato score, and that's not good. That is the green <laughs> splat sort of uh, double dare gack version of a movie. And but the thing that's interesting here is that the audience score is eighty one percent. So Mister Zachary Dale Food Court is lumped in with these other nineteen yahoos. That uh, that don't like it. Yeah. But uh, critics were not kind. They said a lot of things. Uh, let's see here. Kristen Lopez from Citizen Dame says, A waste of a perfectly good Tom Hardy. Which is... Uh, that's interesting. Because I think that he's truly the standout in this movie. I think he portrayed crazy very, very well. Yeah. <laughs> he was, he was uh, at his wit's end. And I thought he was... I thought this was a different Tom Hardy than we've ever seen before. So right. I really appreciate that. Let's see here. Uh, Richard Krause from richardkrause.com, I'm guessing. <laughs> uh, it feels unintentionally funny as if all the actors except for Hardy understood that they were acting in a generic comic book movie. He's a hoot. The movie isn't. My mom, my mom says I'm a real hoot. <laughs> you are. You're a barrel of fun. Yeah. Barrel of monkeys. You're five foot two on a dance with you. I'm sophisticated fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see here. Ben Sachs from Chicago Reader. Uh, oh, my gosh. This is this is a Christmas miracle. Chicago actually <laughs> likes a movie for a change. Right. The film devotes way too much time to exposition. The first act feels like it's going to go on for about an hour. But once it gets going, it's decent fun. And, you know, that's actually interesting because I don't think he actually gets the Venom symbiote in him until about like the 35 minute mark yeah so it is it is a ways mm-hmm. but i'm okay with that because it's kind of an origin story and even the first spider-man was like that too it was like a good like the toby Maguire one anyway mm-hmm. was a good 30 plus minutes before he became spider-man right and that and that works so uh and then richard probe said from the independent critic says uh, if you don't allow yourself to surrender to it at all, you're going to hate Venom. So maybe, Zach, you just need to, uh, you know, in the words of Coato, open your mind. Open your mind. <laughs> Man, I want someone to to digitize Nicolas Cage as that little monster inside the stomach. I think that would be amazing. <laughs> oh, man. With his crazy eyes. I'm a eyes. vampire. I'm a vampire. I'm a vampire. <laughs> yeah, I still got to watch that. Vampire's Kiss, plugged by uh, one Stephen Alva Wood. It is bananas crazy. Oh, my God. It's actually been uh, it's stuck on my mind, so it's starting to get good in my head, which is annoying me. 
That's fantastic. That's how it starts. I know. Ugh. Okay. Anyways. Right. Soon you're going to have a shirt and a poster and a cardboard <laughs> cutout and it's going to be amazing. Yeah. And then lastly, the the film had a budget of $100 million and opening weekend it saw 80 million, 80.2. And that was on October 7th, 2018. It grossed to the United States at a whopping 213 million. And wouldn't you know it, worldwide, a commercial success at $856 million. That's insane. (laughs) That is that is fantastic. Yeah. So there's obviously a sequel being it it was already greenlit and it's in post-production because of that, because I think it was like the eighth highest grossing film of 2018 or maybe the sixth highest. I mean, that's that's absurd. So, yeah, that's pretty that's pretty bonkers, man, Um, for a movie that critics hated <laughs> yeah and you know majority of the fans you know i mean they're talking with their wallets the critics got to see the movie for free for crying out loud and um you know people spoke with their wallets they loved it yeah they ate it up and and i don't think you get 856 million without uh, a sizable amount of rewatches as well i think people went back and watched it again well they only got my five dollars because i saw it on a discount tuesday so <laughs> dude i remember when dollar theaters were a thing oh yeah and now that they think with the price of inflation, it's doubled. That's like two bucks. Two dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, it's always fun to go to the dollar theater and maybe you see something that you hadn't that you missed. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, maybe six or eight weeks have gone by, and you're like, "Oh shit, I forgot that movie came out." And then you have a chance to revisit. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. Anyway, I I am done. Cool. It's your turn to talk. You yield the floor. All right. Well, Tom Hardy's son, Lewis Thomas Hardy, is a fan of Venom, and Hardy took the role to please him. Quote, I wanted to do something my son could watch, so I did something where I bite people's heads off. End quote. Lewis also guided his father on how to appropriately portray Brock slash Venom, since Hardy didn't know the character very well. At around the 44-minute mark, the restaurant scene was shot once with the live lobsters and once with the fake lobsters. The lobster that Tom Hardy bites into was actually a candy-coated marshmallow filling with chocolate syrup. That sounds delicious. I would eat that. Suppose it doesn't throw up. I know, yeah. In uh, in the comics, the Venom symbiote was initially worn by Peter Parker as a Spider-Man suit after he finds it on another planet before eventually separating and bonding with Eddie Brock. However, the movie takes the symbiote's independent discoveries of the Life Foundation, removing any connection to Spider-Man whatsoever. Indeed, the giant white spider insignia that typically appears on Venom's chest is absent. Finally, the film is well known to have an extremely difficult production history. The film was originally envisioned as a direct spinoff from Spider-Man 3 in 2007, uh, though Topher Grace was not slated to return to the role. Shortly after the films were rebooted, the film was announced once again, though this time with continuity of the web series. Chris Zilka expressed interest in playing the characters Flash Thompson's iteration, which was currently ruining... Oh my God, which was currently running in the comics at the, at that time. Once the Amazing Spider-Man 2 in 2014 was released, Sony announced that Venom Carnage would be a part of their Spider-Man cinematic universe. Soon afterwards, Sony and Marvel decided to collaborate with the Spider-Man films, opting to, to reboot again and placing a Venom spinoff on hold. So this movie's been in the works for, well, 11 years from when it was conceived to when it was actually adapted. So, long time. Yeah. Remember they were going to do like the whole Sinister Six? Oh, um, after universe. was that after, after Amazing Spider-Man yeah, Two? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Aren't they starting to do that with Tom Holland Spider-Man? Because after Homecoming, we met Scorpion, and you have Vulture. 
Um, and Scorpion was played by the guy from Better Call Saul. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, okay, cool. Well, here's a synopsis. While exploring space for new habitable worlds, a probe belonging to the bioengineering corporation Life Foundation discovers a comet covered in symbiotic life forms. The probe returns to Earth with four samples, but one escapes and causes the ship to crash into Malaysia. The Life Foundation recovers the other three and transports them to their research facility in San Francisco, where they discover that the symbiotes cannot survive without oxygen-breathing hosts, which often fatally reject the symbiosis. Investigative journalist Eddie Brock reads about these human trials in a classified document in the possession of his fiance Anne Wayne, uh, an attorney preparing a lawsuit defense for, for the Life Foundation. Brock confronts Life Foundation CEO Carlton Drake about the trials, leading to both Brock and Wayne losing their jobs. Consequently, Wayne ends their relationship. Six months later, Drake's symbiosis trials are closer to success, though one of the symbiotes dies due to carelessness. Brock is approached by Dora Skirth, one of Drake's scientists who disagrees with his methods and wants to expose him. She helps Brock break into the research facility to search for evidence, and he learns that an acquaintance of his, a homeless woman named Maria, is one of the test subjects. Brock attempts to rescue Maria, but the symbiote possessing her transfers to his body without him realizing, leaving her uh, dead. Ooh, jeez. Brock escapes and soon begins displaying strange symptoms. He reaches out to Wang for help and her new boyfriend, Dr. Dan Lewis, discover the symbiote on examining Brock. Drake exposes Skirth to the remaining captive symbiote, killing both. This leaves a symbiote inside Brock as the only known surviving specimen. Drake sends mercenaries to retrieve the symbiote from Brock, but it manifests around his body as a monstrous creature that fights off the attackers. It later introduces itself to Brock as Venom and explains that the comet is searching for planets where the symbiotes can possess and devour their inhabitants. Venom offers to spare Brock if he helps the symbiotes achieve their goal, and Brock comes to enjoy the superhuman attributes that the symbiote imbues him with. Brock breaks into his old workplace to turn in evidence of Drake's crimes, but is surrounded by SWAT, Sam Jackson, uh, and is forced to transform to escape. Weighing witnesses... And that clown dog guy. (laughs) Clown dog guy. (laughs) Swell, this clown dog shit's almost gone. Uh, Wang witnesses this transformation and takes Brock back to Lewis's office. Where I'm right on top of that, Rose. <laughs> Park it yourself, Metallica breath. Dishes <laughs> are done, man. Yeah. Um, where they explain that the symbiote is slowly rotting Brock's internal organs. Brock notes, notes that the symbiote has two weaknesses, high-pitched noises and fire. Although Venom claims that the organ damage can be re- reversed, Wang uses an MRI machine to help Brock separate from the symbiote. Brock is then captured by Drake's men. Meanwhile, the force symbiote, Riot, makes its way from Malaysia to San Francisco by hopping from body to body. It bonds with Drake, who agrees to take Riot into a Life Foundation space probe to collect the rest of the symbiotes and bring them back to Earth. Wang reluctantly bonds with Venom so they can free Brock. When Brock and Venom are bonded again, the latter states that he has been convinced to help protect the Earth from his kind through his interactions with Brock, and the pair attempt to stop Riot and Drake with Wang's help. Venom damages the probe as it takes off, causing it to explode and kill both Riot and Drake. After the incident, Brock returns to journalism, while Wang believes Brock is no longer bonded to Venom after this, and that Venom also died in the explosion. However, the pair remain secretly bonded and set out to protect San Francisco by killing criminals. In a mid-credits scene, Brock is invited to interview incarcerated serial killer Cletus Cassidy, who premises carnage when he escapes. What what the fuck? I'm sorry. Who promises carnage when he escapes? 
Why did I say that? I'm sorry. That was weird. Know. Long day. <laughs> no, it has been. But uh, anyways. Pro- promise is actually a weird word because uh, there's a buddy of mine who cannot say promissory note. I know how, promissory like, note? T- Does he say promissory yeah. note? He can't say the word. It, it just, just like has a stroke every time he reads it. It's so interesting. Um, That's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Prom- promissory. Promissory note. note. Promissory. Yeah. He says a promissory too. So um, when did you first see this, Justin? I saw it uh, shortly after it came out. Uh, it was on sale on the HD movie codes for uh, really cheap. <laughs> did you Did you ask for a refund? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I enjoy it. I, I think it's I know fun. you do. No, I don't. I don't understand your distaste for this motion picture show, and I'm hoping that you can articulate why it is a terrible movie. Because I really enjoy it. Yeah, um, I know Alex really likes it, and um, our buddy uh, Gabriel really likes it. And shout out to him; it's his birthday today. Feliz cumpleaños! Yeah, yeah. So, well, and and we'll we'll, we'll discuss it as we kind of go. And I've I've set the questions up to be like that. But let's start it off. So, Venom, he's a he's best known as a uh, main villain of Spider-Man. The only real live screen adaptation of Venom was from the always forgetful Spider-Man Three with Topher Grace that I said above. And this movie is a Venom solo film with clearly no Spider-Man in sight for legal reasons. For this movie to work, though, they would be gambling on making the protagonist an anti-hero. What is the formula for a good film where the villains are the main focus? Think of movies like Gone Girl, Wolf of Wall Street, Scarface, Nightcrawler, Joker, American Psycho, just to name a few. I don't. So I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> uh, sadly, I don't like because it says for this movie to work they you know, they'd be gambling on making the protagonist an antihero, which I think that's very much what this version of Venom is. Mm-hmm. I think that he is very much an antihero. He's he is uh, out to do good, but he does bad things in quotes by killing people uh, to save the day. So, I mean, I think that he is an honest to goodness antihero, whereas the movies that you mentioned here, none of these people are heroes you know they, yeah right. we're interested in them but they're not heroes you know they're all terrible people every single movie that you've listed here they're all horrible horrible people <laughs> right gone right. girl murdering wolf of wall street taking people's money uh scarface murder nightcrawler murder joker murder american psycho murder and returning <laughs> videotapes so i mean they're all they're all bad right <laughs> But I mean, they're they're the the focus of the movie. But I mean, uh, I each one of these uh, movies, I was waiting for their their comeuppance. You know, I was waiting for them. I was waiting for the hammer to drop. And it, the only one that really does is uh, Scarface. You know, right. Gone, Gone Girl gets away with it. Wolf of Wall Street kind of gets away with it. Goes, you know, gets arrested, but is still making millions. Yeah. I know, right? Uh, Nightcrawler gets away with it. Joker gets, a, gets, gets away with gets, it, kind of. Yeah, another day in the life of, of, a, of a horrible person. Mm-hmm. And then American Psycho gets away with it. So mm-hmm. I, I, movies like that kind of bother me when it's over. I'm just like, fuck. Right. So like, what is this telling me? That I should just be an asshole to everybody and I'll get away with it? <laughs> so I don't like it when there's no punishment. So I'm and I'm a fan of the anti-hero story and I think maybe this is the crux of why I don't like this movie that much. So 
Westerns are good examples where you can have an anti-hero, where someone is just not a good person. So Russell Crowe, right? We, we talked about 310 to Yuma where he's a bad dude and you know he is, but he also, there, there's redeeming qualities to him and he does the right thing at the end of the film. And that's the kind of arc that's great because that movie was around two hours, right? This movie's around two hours. And so an arc like that where you know he's he's the main bad he's done some killing he's done some pretty nasty stuff but at the end of the day he understands right from right and wrong from wrong i i I guess you could possibly say i know you can't compare a western to this but just like hear me out the thing with venom that that bugged the shit out of me was it struggled so hard with its act structure and getting me to care getting me personally to care about eddie brock because the entire film i'm supposed to believe that Eddie's a loser, which he clearly doesn't look like a loser because he's Tom Hardy. And I'm I'm to believe that Eddie Brock is what a piece of shit or he's a really good guy because all of his investigative journalism, it just it looks like Vice News or something like that. It doesn't really look like anything that I'm invested in. And I can't tell what his M.O. is. Is he a good guy for doing these articles? Is he unethical? Does he lie to get to the top? Like what about him is bad? And then you mix in the symbiote Venom who is controlling him and for all intents and purposes is like, I'm going to eat you unless you do what I say. And then all of a sudden, out of fucking nowhere, after Michelle Williams comes up and kisses him, he turns into Venom and he's like, hey, guess what? I actually like you and I like her, so I changed my mind. I was like, wait, what? What the fuck happened? Why Why does Venom now want to be a good guy or an anti-hero? in this film. And so do, do you kind of see what I'm saying? I see what you're saying, but I think I have an answer for all that. <laughs> okay, no, that's fine. Yeah. And so, but I mean, from, from there though, cause I'm looking at it, I'm like, wait, so he's the good guy now. Right. And then you get to the ending scene and it's like, okay, we can only eat bad people. And I'm like, okay, that kind of makes sense. That's like a Dexter mentality. Um, and I don't really want to compare TV shows to movies because uh, TV shows are just one of those things that you have so long to develop. But it's it's interesting with with what they're trying to do per se. And I just think it fell flat. It fell flat on its face. Um, I'm not going to deny that Tom Hardy was entertaining to watch. He, he he was good in it. But at times I was just like, what is he doing? And yeah, I mean, I, I feel like the movie was just a mess, dude. So I, I don't know. Can you maybe answer that then? Sure. So there's a lot. I tried to take quick little notes. Sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, no, that's okay. Um, so I, I think what's important is that this version of Eddie Brock. So let me just clarify really quick that my only real uh, exposure to Eddie Brock was in the 90s animated Spider-Man cartoon yeah. in which he's kind of like this TMZ sort of reporter that wants to beat Peter Parker to the punch all the time. And he'll do whatever it takes to get a story. Right. And then he kind of has like this, uh, you know, he has anger issues or whatever. And then when the because the symbiote attaches to him, it brings out the worst in him kind of thing. And so that's how I always knew Venom to be was just an already uh, shoot from the hip kind of guy that once the, the symbiote attached itself to him, it made him worse than who he was. So in this version of of the movie that we're watching, I think the only thing that's that is Eddie Brock's problem is Eddie Brock. I think that he's he has self-destructive uh, habits. You know, he doesn't go with with the system. He he goes against it, and like his boss gives him 
directions, but he doesn't follow them. He wants to get the real story and, you know, the gotcha journalism kind of thing. Yeah. Um, because he as, as genuinely cares about people and, and his city and he loves his city and he wants to get to the bottom of it regardless of, of how it hurts his career or the business that he works for to the point where he's burned so many bridges that when he's having that conversation to get, to get other jobs, no one wants to work with him because he doesn't, he's not a team player. He just does what Brock wants to do. So I think that's his problem. And by calling him a loser, I think that's more of a, as measured by success and because he doesn't have a job and no one wants to work with him. And, and, you know, he's, he's definitely a likable person. You know, the, the cashier, the store owner likes him. The, the homeless lady likes him. He's, he's a good man. He just doesn't play the game. And, and, and I think that's what his problem is. And so when I say that he's a loser, it's really just that he is his own worst enemy. And, and as far as Venom goes, um, I think that the reason why he switches sides is because he says, I'm, lo- I'm like you on my planet. You know, I'm a loser, too. <laughs> it was so and dumb, though. <laughs> I know. I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, he's I saying got you. That, that together we can actually both be something special. And so I think that's that's kind of where he's coming from. It's like Superman. He's not super powerful on Krypton, but he's, you know, a God amongst insects mm-hmm. on earth. Right. So I think that's kind of his mentality. He has this idea like, you know what? I could actually be something on, on this planet. Yeah. So I think that's the, that's the difference. Plus he has lots, so of, I, lots of tater tots and chocolate on earth. Right. So. <laughs> right. So I think, I think that, uh, I hope that answers some of your, your questions. Yeah. But, I mean, that's kind of where my head's at. Sure, yeah, it does, and and it's it's hard to have a formula for a really good uh, anti-hero film. And I know with Suicide Squad, that was a, a prime example of we have these villains, and we, we want to make them the heroes. We want the audience to buy into them setting aside the fact that they are villainous people to fight for something bigger to save the world. You know what I mean? And Suicide Squad's a great example of that because the actual film that came out was garbage. It was hot garbage, right? Now that James Gunn has basically, he hasn't rebooted it per se, but he's made a new franchise with it. It looks pretty badass. The new trailer dropped uh, over the weekend and it looks very fun. So it makes me want to root for these guys, even though at any given time they would try to kill Batman. You know what I mean? Or Superman or who, who, who have you like flash, but it's, um, I think maybe that he might have that formula for, for, for this movie, but it's it's getting us to care about these villains and show that maybe they aren't all fully bad. But I still need to see some evil acts in them or or bad acts. And with Eddie Brock, I was I wasn't seeing any bad with him, though. Right. You weren't seeing. Well, because you weren't Eddie Brock, the person the, the, you wanted the person to see Eddie him Rock. be bad. too. Well, because I wanted to because this whole film, I mean, even the premise of like the trailer, or the movie poster was like it's it's time to be bad and we're tired of these Mar- Marvel hero movies or something. And I'm like, what? So I was excited for that because I've always known Venom as a villain. Now, in the comics, they started changing that to the Life Foundation and made him more of an anti-hero. So that makes a lot more sense. But I wanted to see Eddie Brock be just a unethical guy at times, but also still care. Kind of like a like a Robin Hood or something, you know? Like he is doing bad shit, but it's for the greater good. The greater good. And... uh I just I wasn't I wasn't sold. I wasn't bought into the character. And I feel the script suffered immensely because of that kind of stuff. Okay. So I mean I think 
I think that the bad that he was doing was, you know, against corporate America and him trying to get to the bottom of of things. And it was done in a in a quick little montage of his investigative journalism. And it was, uh, you know, could have been done a little bit better, I suppose. Right. But I mean, I I liked how Eddie Brock was a good guy. And it's the it's the symbiote that's making him do bad things. I liked how he wasn't in control of his body and how he was going crazy and how he's like, I don't know. It's like, I have a parasite. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Answer to everything. Yeah. I have a parasite. And I really like that because it was scary for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was in way over his head and who wouldn't be? And so for me, I thought it was kind of neat. And and I I think that maybe in a sequel, he's going to maybe change a little bit. Like maybe he's going to lose who he is with this partnership. So that's so, I mean, I would much rather see that. I want to see him just like go off the rails and something happen. And it's there's actual conflict between him and Venom. Mm hmm. Because because I feel like that's how I would be more bought into this Eddie Brock character and the idea of a movie about a villain. Right. And yeah, because right now he's not a villain. So I think I think that the the buildup needs to be there. I think if it was all in one movie, you would feel like it all happened too fast. So let's just say that there's going to be a trilogy where it's going to be him as a good guy. Then him as a bad guy, and then him coming to terms. Return of the Jedi. <laughs> yeah, and then coming back and and being who he needs to be. Okay, I could I see, and I would be. I, I think I'd be down with that. So I mean, like, am I still going to see the Carnage movie? Of course, I love movies, and I'm a completionist, and so it's like, okay, I'll pay five dollars again on Super Tuesday and go to it fully vaccinated. But um, <laughs> so it's it's just one of those things that I just was I was never sold into it. And I mean, even you saying you like him being good. That's great. But I mean, doesn't that make him a superhero? Doesn't that make him a hero? I just don't understand the anti part. Well, I think that would be. Well, I mean, who's calling him an antihero? Are we calling him an antihero or is the world calling him an antihero? The world. We are. Everything I was watching and reading was like, you know, it's about an antihero. Even Tom Hardy and has said Well, I mean, he he is breaking the law by murdering people. Yeah, but. So, I mean, I think like for me, my first exposure to an antihero was probably the Death Wish movies with Charles Bronson, right? Okay. Where his family was murdered and he goes and gets vengeance by killing the people that killed his family. All right. So he's a vigilante. So for me, an antihero tends to be a vigilante, someone that goes outside the social norms and, and what we deem to be responsible humans in a society and, and breaks the law to get their justice. So to me, that's what an antihero is. So in that vein, that's exactly what Venom is. He is someone that is stopping the bad guys, but doing so in a way mm-hmm. to where it is against the law. Do you think like Punisher is, is an antihero then? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that, that makes more sense. Like in, in your mindset, it's just for me. Um, I think a lot of it and I'll, I'll lead in, into the second question. You, you kind of explain your personal experience with Venom and his history. Uh, and for me, that's how I knew him too. were the, you know, amazing Spider-Man cartoon, the, um, the spider blood, spider blood, fucking love it. Yeah. Oh man. It's, yeah. it's one of the greatest that the X-Men theme song. And then like the Batman, the animated series theme song anyways. Uh, so that, that was my exposure. And so the entire time I'm like, Venom is, is like his main enemy. It's going to be so cool. I didn't realize that the comics had him being an anti-hero until like today when I was reading about stuff. 
And so it makes more sense that they shifted and made this a standalone thing. And so that kind of shifts my mindset slightly, but the it's, it's just one of those things that I wanted him to go full bad at points. So I know that you're saying he's, he's, he's murdering people, but all these people are bad. Even the police officers, I don't know if he killed anybody, but he was beating the shit out of them. Uh, the people that he bit the heads off were all really bad dudes. Like they were trying to kill him. Um, it didn't really give me any sense of like, oh shit, Venom needs to calm down. He's going crazy at times. So I think that's where it became an issue. Right. But so like your, your favorite hero is Batman. Yes. Right. And Batman doesn't, he doesn't bite off heads. He doesn't snap necks and cast checks. He punches them once or twice and then, Ties him up and leaves him alone. Yeah. Spider-Man's the same thing. Spider-Man puts him in a web and lets the police deal with him. Venom is throwing him through walls and smashing faces and 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 literally biting heads off of humans. And that is two very different ways of dealing with a criminal, <laughs> whether it be a police officer that is, you know, on the take, you know, a bad, a bad police officer or or gangster man number six. It's it's still wrong to to kill someone gangster man number six yeah no i agree i'm not condoning killing i i think i just i still just so don't what, do you want him to hurt innocent people i, I no, guess i just don't no, understand no, no. what it is that you want no no so I, you're saying you want him to be bad but what's more so, bad than so biting off their head i don't understand the, the reason I, I was looking for the nuance in this film because it's like it's not your typical hero movie he is an anti-hero he is he's venom he's a villain it's like how this is going to be cool and i'm going to see this because how are they going to make a villain in all for all intents and purposes the star of this film so that's why i was like intrigued by that and suicide squad because it's such an interesting idea you know so with this I just never at any point felt like he was a villain. I felt like he was the hero of the story and not even right. anti-hero. I get what you're saying for the anti-hero aspect, and that makes more sense. But, right. I, but I, yeah. I understand that you went in thinking you were going to see a villain, but what you got was a hero. Yeah, I got a okay. zero. Two is very what different I got. things. No hero. I got a zero. Right. <laughs> um, I, yeah. So those yeah. are two very different things. Absolutely. And 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 I think that um, I think that you're onto something there because. Uh, it is hard. You said it yourself. Like, how are they going to make a villain interesting for, for a two hour movie? That is very hard to do uh, a movie like like Wolf of Wall Street. It shows him not having a lot of money and, and getting, you know, the first 30, 40 minutes. He's trying to figure things out and then he does and he goes over the edge and then, you know, he he gets arrested. Right. There's a there's a there's a fall, right? The rise and fall of uh of this total jackass and then scarface same thing that's a three-hour movie but it opens with him murdering someone pretty much like once they get to that that little town under the freeway you know he's murdering somebody right (laughs) so so he's bad from start to finish nightcrawler is sort of an evolution of of pushing the envelope and seeing what i can get away with and then eventually you know being uh an an accessory to murder in in a sense and then uh, same with Joker, right? That's that's where he's a victim mm-hmm. for the a bulk of the movie, and then he turns things around. It's revenge, yeah. So um, it is it is really hard mm-hmm. to keep a focus on on something like that, and maybe because it is a a superhero movie, it is uh, it's a tough sell for studios to to commit to that. You know, rather than rather than make him be Tony Montana, <laughs> they want him to be, you know, an Eddie Brock. Okay. 
Yeah. So I, maybe that's that choice. And plus, they had another thing too. They have they have a villain problem. You know, he can't be the villain because there's no Spider Man. Right. Spider Man. So that that's a problem. <laughs> yeah. We we're missing the web crawler and and when you take out the most interesting thing about Venom, <laughs> you have to find some other way to make him interesting. Right. Well, and I wanted to try to save this because this is a fun very first question. I'm actually, I, I love this, but this movie is rated PG-13 and there were rumors that they were going to make it an R-rated film. Now, we have seen movies like Logan and Deadpool, uh, R-rated films, and they did remarkable. I think Logan was a fantastic movie. I love the first Deadpool. Now, setting the meta aside, Deadpool was a villain in comic books, technically, and they did a good job of making him care. Like he killed people, he murdered people left and right, but they they stuck with an identity for him and it worked. Um, I think that's kind of what I was trying to to find is is maybe show him do some bad shit, but something makes him turn and something makes him focus on, wait a minute, I think I need to do the right thing here sort of mentality. And like he can still be a bad guy like Winter Soldier, right? Winter Soldier's killed a bunch of people. I know he was brainwashed, but he still has to live with that. And now he's a good guy, technically. So it's just, yeah, that's that's right. I'm just perplexed, I guess. And I think I think trying to to care about a a tabloid journalist mm-hmm. that commits crimes is a tough sell. <laughs> yeah, like, I would not be interested in that. In this case, the most interesting thing, the most interesting thing about Venom is Eddie Brock. And right. And I think Tom Hardy's performance really showcases that because he's he plays freaked out. Very, very <laughs> I know well. he's like, good. When yeah. He sees, when he sees Venom in the mirror and he like screams like, ah, <laughs> I, la- I laughed at that part. Yeah, that is so funny. It's hysterical. And yeah. so. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people have problems with the comedy in this movie, and I think that I think that Tom Hardy sells it one hundred percent. I think he was so committed to this role and it being successful, and he brought his A game, and I think it it delivers. I, I think he is incredible in this movie. As someone that has a really hard time enjoying Tom Hardy. I thought this was one of his best roles ever, and that's coming from someone that cries every time they watch the movie Warrior. I, I can't I not love that cry movie, yeah. at the end of Warrior. Were you in the core? And, uh, Were you in the core? <laughs> yeah, the Wayne Brothers. <laughs> yeah, I don't know them. Um, yeah, holy smokes. So he blew me away. And I, I could tell that his commitment was was through the roof in this movie. And he was proud of it. And I think it showed. Yeah. Well, and that, that leads me to a different question. I mean, so I had, like I said, I had the strangest time watching this movie. And it, it, I enjoyed moments like that, like when he looked in the mirror and screamed. But as soon as... As soon as it seemed like they would establish a genre, the film made a tonal shift in the complete opposite direction. So in my opinion, it was very, very messy. What did you think the genre of this movie was? Because it's confusing because it doesn't know what it wants to be. Is it a comedy? Is it a horror film? Is it a body horror film? Is it an action movie? What is it? And I I, I couldn't put my finger on it. Sure, I, I would say it's like it's an action movie. Um, with with humor sprinkled in, uh, you know, has some scary moments. I think I think something like the long lines of Blade, where you know, Blade is a very dark movie with, uh, you know, it's vampires. It's got some scary moments, but it also has a lot of funny moments as well. So, and I think that you need those to just kind of alleviate what's what's happening, you know. And it's I, I would say it's an action movie. 
I would call Venom an action movie. So, I mean, because I would have been more intrigued with Blade. Like, Blade's an action movie, but Blade's almost like an action horror film because there are some dark elements in that movie, you know, about vampires, and they do a really good job of of making it creepy. Like, remember in Blade when he, that big fat blob thing, uh, Pat, <laughs> is that what? Yeah, yeah. dude, that yeah. terrified me as a child because it, it looks disgusting. And there's a lot of cursing in that movie. There's a lot of heads getting cut off. Um, it is a, a well done movie. And this one, I'm like, am I supposed to be scared? Because right as, as soon as you see him trying to bite a head off, it just shows the reaction of someone standing by. And I'm like, wait, am I supposed to be terrified by that? Um, it felt very 90s to me. And I think I expressed this before. It felt very much like they wanted to make a family fun film, but also cater to adults. And it just did not work for me. I, 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 I was maybe I'm not the target audience. Well, maybe. But remember, you, like you said, it is PG-13. Yeah. Blade is very much a hard oh, R. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's the difference. Deadpool as well. You know, that's an R-rated superhero movie Mm -hmm. and it and it needs to be and maybe in your mind venom needed to be that too like in in the in this sense of like spawn you know like back alley shenanigans and 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 seedy underbelly of san francisco right and bad things are happening but um i i for the sake of venom i honestly think that this is an Eddie Brock story and Venom comes second. Mm-hmm. And I think that's even the case with just the villain and and the life fund or organization life. What's it called? Met life, uh, li- li- life Foundation. <laughs> life Foundation. Yeah. Like, I mean, that doesn't mean anything to me. And every time I say it, it seems, sounds even dumber than the time before it. And to the point where I literally just blocked it out of my mind. And, and you know, Riz Ahmed is is an actor that we've we've bragged about a thousand times on this show. Mm-hmm. We both enjoy his work quite a bit. Absolutely. But uh, it's he's kind of a throwaway in this movie, and that's unfortunate. You know, he's he's this rich scientist guy that wants to achieve a new level, a, a superior human, and you know that's great and all, but it's hard to to really relate to. I mean, this this is a, a three or four issue comic book arc that is you know it's it's literally 80 pages of a comic book and we're done with it you know he's literally a throwaway villain yeah and so uh it's really hard to to find uh, a footing in that to where i think that if you invest yourself in the relationship and the dynamic between venom and eddie brock then you're going to find yourself having a good time. Yeah. And I'll admit origin stories are tough because they, you know, they can drag and we're, we're just always like another Ethan Hawke movie. My God. (laughs) So we we get fatigued. I hope that guy's doing great, by the way. I've gotten so many laughs from that guy. Um, I know me too. I don't even know him, but yeah, it's so we, we definitely get fatigued by origin stories and superhero movies in general. So I guess for me, I was just really hoping for something completely different like nuanced, you know, but it ended up being pretty similar to anything else I'd seen. I just think done in such a poor fashion, but I get what you're saying too. Like Riz didn't really have anything to, to work with per se. So eh, I don't know. Um, Justin, you love toys. I love toys. And actually when I was younger, I had Adult toys. a lot of, well, well <laughs> there are children listening to this. All right. We're like Venom. We don't, we, we don't even know what rating our, our movie is. So, right. um, but uh, I used to own the Spider-Man toys and the Venom toys and such. Did you own any toys or comics from Venom, I should say? 
No, I've never owned a single Venom toy. But last night, I was just on a little Easter egg hunt, man. I was looking at for all kinds of fun Venom toys, and I found some really cool ones. I went down like the rabbit hole hardcore, and uh, I didn't order anything, but I was very, very tempted. I have this thing now where I just add stuff to my cart, but I don't buy it. Oh, God. It's very therapeutic <laughs> to where I'm just like, oh, yeah, I need this. I'm going to add this. I'm going to add this. And then once I'm done shopping, in quotes, I... I just uh, clear out my cart and don't buy anything. Right. Just try it. It's actually very nice. Because you're like, I don't need this. It was just fun to pretend that I bought it and then move on with my life. But uh, no, I never had any any Venom toys. I did have a couple Spider-Man toys, uh, some really cool ones in the late 90s. And uh, I actually gave them away before I moved back to Southern California. But they were, uh, they were pretty badass. Cool. And um, yeah. And one of them was, in fact, a black suit Spider-Man, but it was not Venom. Yeah, that makes sense. I have a Secret Wars, the um, or Secret War, the graphic novel where uh, the symbiote is actually introduced and Spider-Man takes it and he's all, whoa, this is crazy. It's like he's got HGH. So it's juicing. Did, um, and I know that we kind of discussed this earlier in the trivia and stuff, too, with the rights of Spider-Man and, you know, the, the merge between Sony and Marvel. But do you think they could have at least made a reference to Spider-Man? Maybe not directly, but said something. I don't know, like, oh, there's a web slinger around or something like that, you know. <laughs> so maybe, but I think that uh, maybe they were contractually obligated not to. <laughs> um, and so that's that definitely inputs complicates things but remember this takes place in san francisco mm-hmm. and not new york city well but they they uh michelle williams she tells him at the, she's like remember what happened at the daily uh daily globe Bugle or no globe well, or it, yeah because the daily Glo- the daily globe is the uh competing newspaper to the daily bugle and how eddie got fired from there it was because there was this uh, character named sin eater that eddie said he exposed and uh, that wasn't accurate. Spider-Man exposed the real one. And then Eddie Brock was basically uh, ousted. And people were like, shame, shame on you. So he had to leave New York. And then he went to San Francisco. So that's canonical. And that was nice that they, th- they threw that kind of Easter egg in there where you're like, oh, that's why he's in San Fran. And I guess the comic books show Venom in San Francisco and stuff, the newer iteration. So, I mean, I, I enjoy that. But I, I was kind of hoping maybe they could subtly throw some red and blue somewhere and make it like oh there it is you know i <laughs> i don't know that's just right so down. i mean i mean the the daily globe was probably the only thing they could get away with just because in 2018 and while they're filming in 2017 yeah they're knee deep in yeah in tom holland mcu uh you know we just had civil war and we're working on a uh homecoming movie and all this stuff so they probably had to distance themselves quite a bit and that might have been part of the agreement to to pull it off yeah well and speaking of our 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 buddy mr mr gabitron his birthday today um he loved this movie and he thinks it's because tom hardly tom hardy undoubtedly makes every movie great do you think this is true um, are there any actors that you think do nothing but good and you'd even pay 12 USD to see them in the worst possible film ever? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, there, there's some actors that I like. Paul Bettany is one that I, I try to support. Really? So, oh. Yeah, I really like his work. I mean, I went and saw and same with Carl Urban, you know, everything that there I went and saw Doom and I went and saw Dread. 
Dread, and I mean, Dread is one of my favorite movies ever. I love Dread. uh, But I only went and saw it because it was Carl Urban, and I really liked him. So um, I I think that there are definitely actors that I want to support uh, their careers and their work. And so whether it makes them better or not, I don't know the answer to that, but I know that there are certain actors that I care about, and I will go see everything that they're in just because I want to support them and, and see more of their stuff. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, and, and that's fair enough. Uh, would you say, like, I know you love Kurt Russell. Would you say that you'd see anything that he's in? I think I have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, at least in all of his movies from from the time I was born. You know, I, I, I obviously, I caught some of the old Disney stuff that he's done on TV and things. Oh, yeah. But, the computer wore uh, tennis for, shoes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh but yeah, I think that that's fair. Any release that he does, I, I go and see. With the exception of 3,000 Miles to Graceland. I never saw that in a theater. I, in fact, uh, it wasn't until like, uh, I don't know, maybe like the late 2000s that I finally got around to watching that movie. Yeah. And I feel bad about that. But yeah, for the most part, Kurt Russell. Cool. Well, yeah, I, for me, I mean, I have actors that I know are amazing like Frances McDormand I think is just fantastic in pretty much everything she does so I, I typically will see her work um Michael B. Jordan is quickly becoming one of those actors for me where I'm like dude I love this guy he is so great and everything I mean Wallace in The Wire it's just yeah eh, that's where it started for me and so I, I don't know necessarily though if there are if there's one particular actor and I like Tom Hardy a lot I just don't think that Everything he does is great. I never saw Star Trek Nemesis. Um, I, was, I, I wasn't I wasn't that um, I didn't sure. see. That was one of his first movies. Yeah, so. I didn't see Bronson. Uh, I did see a really shitty movie with him, Chris Pine and Reese Witherspoon called This Means War. It's awful. It's really bad. He, he's he's <laughs> yeah. he's not really great in it, but I like that movie. Eh. I, I like everything else he's in, though, too, especially when you can't hear him, which is like every movie. But right. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. So yeah, but uh, Mr. Gabitron, don't be crazy. All right. Um, yeah. So I mean, for Tom Hardy, you know, I like. Uh, I don't really care for Dark Knight Rises, but that isn't really because of him. I just think it's a long and boring movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Dunkirk, it was a one and done for me, you know. And he didn't. His performance didn't sway me one way or another. He's just a guy in a plane that I can't understand. You know. Yeah. So. Um, I mean, I love Warrior. I think Warrior's freaking awesome. He doesn't do a lot of talking in that movie, but he's in a lot of pain, and he both mentally and physically, and I think he conveys that pretty well. You know, he plays a very uh, broken and and disturbed young man, and I think that we got that from his nonverbals, which was pretty great. Right. And uh, I think that he's, again, just fantastic in this movie. <laughs> he's just having his like mental breakdowns and freakouts. And he's just like, I have a parasite that <laughs> <And>, like <laughs> runs away. I think that's so funny. <laughs> I just I, I wasn't buying it with him. I mean, I do agree it was it, it was good, but it was very, you know, it was very much a Nicolas Cage in Vampire's Kiss performance. Um, he he was slouching a lot and just kind of uh, he does that. That's his that's his posture. Yeah. Some neck traps. They push his head. I, oh down. my god, dude! The guy's a monster. Jesus <laughs> Christ! And warrior. I'm like, holy shit! I'm like, where's Pop? Brendan? Or not Brendan? What's his name in that one? It's not Brendan Connolly. It's yeah, it's Brendan, Tommy. No, no, uh, he's Br- Tommy. 
He's Tommy. Tommy was pop. Tommy Reardon. Tommy Reardon was pop. Uh, but yeah. Um, so well, Brent, Brendan Connellan is, Brendan is Conlon. the one that says, where's pop? Yeah, I know. Oh, okay. Justin, Venom's a type of creature. We already talked about this. He loves to eat people. And at the end of this movie, Eddie makes a deal with him that he can only really eat the bad folks. This idea, very similar to Dexter, it can it can be a real slippery slope when determining who's bad or not. Do you have any issue with that deal? And uh, or do some people just need their friggin' heads bitten off? <laughs> freaking head. Uh, in a comic book world, I think it makes sense. Yeah, but not in, not in real life. In real life, I think it's a problem. But <laughs> but but in in this universe, I think that that's a fair compromise. There's a lot of bad people in this on this planet. And if it's if it's limited to to the super mega down and dirty CD criminals that would murder you and your family uh, without even thinking about it, then sure, it makes sense. And and this is coming from someone that, you know, I'm not I'm not an advocate for the death penalty. You know, I'm I am kind to animals. I don't eat animals. I, I respect life. And so for me to say, yeah, I'm OK with it. I mean, it's a comic book movie, so. So I'm good. If this were real life, then yeah, I would probably have, I would take umbrage. <laughs> but in this particular case, I'm I'm cool with it. Yeah. If that if that's what it takes to make him be a bad guy, in 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 the Zachary Rancourt universe <laughs> and be a villain, then so be it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, I, I could I, I could see how it could work. There'd have to be some good justification for it to work, but. <laughs> so in 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 this movie, the the nice store owner that keeps getting robbed for protection money. Uh, the guy that's just trying to to hurt her and harm her and threaten her with violence, you know, he's a very bad man. Mm-hmm. And if he is the example on on what is the type of person that is bad and should be eaten, then I'm okay with it. Wow. I'd say maybe just like hurt him a little bit, but eat him. He was going to keep coming back. Eh, not if you bite his legs off. He'll have to, yeah. he'll have to wheel have back. Mess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably sue you. Uh, I know, right? Seriously, like I can't rob anybody else. With this, <laughs> and with he would, legs. he would win too. Yeah. So you know, if, better call song. No, I know that you absolutely hated this movie. So if you had the guts to stick around for for the two minutes after the credits and you watch the mid credits scene, we get to see your buddy there, Woody Harrelson, wearing a Raggedy Andy wig as uh, Cletus, not Cassidy, Cletus. Cassidy? Yeah, it's Cletus Cassidy. Yeah, it's Cassidy. Oh, for the reason I didn't think it was. Anyways, you get to see him as Cletus Cassidy. Did you like the mid-credit scene? And are you excited for the sequel that is already in post-production? Yeah, I I, I was. Uh, I'm definitely a fan. I'm gonna. I'm curious to see how it's gonna play out because I was under the impression that Carnage was uh, the offspring of Venom. He is. And, yeah. Yeah, and so I'm curious to see how that will work. And. Um, Maybe, I mean, in a perfect world, we would get Spider-Man and Venom teaming up to take him down. Oh, my God. So, okay, I guess that would be my question then, too. Next, do you do you want to see this go in the direction of Venom joining the MCU eventually or Venom completely being its own standalone thing? I think it would be great if they found a way to to merge the two. That would be cool. I agree, because it's just it's so iconic it's like lamb and tuna fish you know right and they and they proved themselves it wasn't like it was a a hundred million dollar movie that made a hundred million and one dollars it made almost a billion you know, over <laughs> over eight hundred million dollars is a is a big deal people want to see it they loved it i mean the audience score alone at, at whatever that was 86 percent or something mm-hmm. um that says yes give me more so i i don't think it should be off the table at all yeah 
especially since they had that, you know, uh, Disney had that Disney and Sony had that little breakup last summer, if you remember, or two summers ago. Yeah. In 2019. And then they, they have since, you know, mended fences and broke bread and, and it's continuing their relationship. But yeah. um, it was, seems absurd to not have some sort of crossover event these two belong together they there's like peanut butter and jelly and it's a weird in different universes so yeah absolutely i agree with that assertion so as much as i don't like this movie i am decently excited for the sequel because i want to see what direction they will take it and i swear to god if they mess up i'm gonna write an angry letter to my congressman but, um, you know, this movie, I talked about it too in the trivia again. This movie has a really interesting history of development, starting with several script ideas uh, from some big name directors. And after it got buried and revived several times, it wasn't until around 2017, a whole 10 years after Spider-Man 3, do we get this movie, you know, being produced and filmed. Even while filming, there, there were constant rewrites of the script, which originally intended to make the film R-rated. We touched on this earlier, but ultimately where it left off with, it left off as a PG 13 hodgepodge of a movie. What, what are the benefits in your opinion, Justin, of giving this film a proper R rating? Do you think it would enhance or it would hurt the film if it was R rated? Well, so a couple of things. I mean, I think for the R rated, I think it would help convince people like you that, that, that think that it should have been, you know, a darker, gorier film. Um, but the movie made $800 million and it got that probably because it was rated PG-13. You know, a younger audience can go see it without too much concern from a parent because it is uh, available to more audience members. And I think that has a lot to do with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, I agree that they could definitely get away with more violence in an R-rated film, but I don't think this movie necessarily needs it. You know, we know that he's biting off heads, and I'm okay with that. I don't need to see... You know, there could be only one and then cut the head off and then <laughs> the quickening shows up all over the place. I think it's okay the way that it was portrayed. And and a lot of times just the R rating can just be, you know, a little bit more focus on the blood or on this shot a little bit longer. You know, it's it's a five second shot instead of a two second shot. Things of that nature. <laughs> yeah. And and ultimately it's just trimming the fat to get it down to a PG thirteen movie. I I think that it was probably shot in a way to where it could have been R rated. And then they just toned it down for the sake of the, of the, of the, the rating. But maybe they were also, maybe the studio was even playing games with, with another studio to just to kind of make good with the, the MCU and show that it could, it can exist. Right. You know what I mean? It's, it's a pretty tough sell already to have uh, a venom in a standalone movie. And it's one of those weird balances where if, if a superhero has a movie and, the villain doesn't get enough screen time. You know, Marvel has had a villain problem for a long, long time. And it, it was Loki that was the best villain ever, right? We got some awesome screen time with Loki, but he was in several MCU movies. Yeah, they had they could to establish, establish it. That. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so and then like Thanos, he was he was more of a puppet master and we didn't get a lot of Thanos. And it was weird to know that he was that you know he was looming in the shadows and that he existed but he wasn't ever really the problem in the in the now now yeah <laughs> so uh when he finally did show up on screen it was earned and we were scared of him and it was awesome when it when it cuts to infinity war and 
all these Asgardians are dead on this ship and Thor's having a real hard time and Hulk's having a hard time, we know right away that this guy's going to be a problem. Right. And, um, you know, I think that it's hard to do that in a 90 minute movie. Yeah. You know, when you have this whole, this whole MCU planned out and multiple phases and multiple villains with multiple characters, you know, then you, you have time to tell your story. In this case, we didn't know if it was going to be a one and done or if it was, you know, it's already seen a million production woes. It's taken a long time to get this movie off the ground and they finally do. And then they have to make it into something that's going to be a hit, which in this case, they certainly did with $800 million. Yeah. Money talks. So, um, so you know, those are all the questions, but th- this is kind of what I, I wanted to, to discuss. I had gripes, obviously, with this film. And, and I, I deleted a few of them because you've already kind of answered. And I'm sorry if I repeat a couple, uh, but I'm just going to maybe say them and you can give me your quickest explanation or quickest. It doesn't have to be super quick, but convince me otherwise or maybe answer my question. So to start, Eddie Brock, he seemed like such a timid wimp before he merged with the Venom, the Venom goo, the symbiote. And I did not buy that. We, we were discussing that earlier. I, I didn't see Eddie Brock being a loser, a wimp. Um, am I wrong? I don't I don't think he was a wimp. I mean, the only really thing that he does that that maybe a lot of people probably do the same thing is when the the store owner is getting robbed and he just kind of hangs back. Yeah. But what about his neighbor when he should have just told his neighbor to turn the music down? Instead, he had a little mini freak out in his house. Sure. Well, I mean, not everybody's going to. I think that that's kind of relatable. Not everyone's going to pound on the door and be, you know, that neighbor. Especially with this guy, he's probably someone that's you tell him to turn the music down. He just means he's going to turn it up. What does you know it mean? So yeah, but why doesn't Eddie just beat his ass with his traps? I don't. I don't know. Maybe he's <laughs> not a fighter. Yeah. You know, let me tell you something. My my uncle, he is six seven. Damn, he's a, he's a big dude, and he was a police officer, and he was kicked off the force because he was a coward and would beat the shit out of people before he would he would beat up people before. He would ask them questions. Oh, that's he was a bad. bad man. Yeah, that's not good. So I mean, <laughs> just because you're a big dude doesn't mean you know you shouldn't be, you know, respectful to others, right? So I mean, like he's someone that if I saw him, I would I would do whatever he said. I'd be like, all right, I won't get my ass kicked. But <laughs> he he just took it to the limit. He was like, you know what? I'm afraid of this person, so I'm gonna beat the shit out of him and and not be scared anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what do you have to be afraid of, man? You're you're. 2867 no one's going to fuck with you you're like a big dude and uh, i mean he doesn't have to to peacock and prance around like he's a big dude he just <laughs> yeah. he had he would have that presence already is what i'm saying and so i mean i think that 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 not everybody needs to result to to violence or being threatening or even being a dick maybe he's actually you know just a normal guy mm-hmm. i mean i think that there's a lot of people that wouldn't knock on that door and say hey turn down the music yeah, I I mean, I would, but I, I get what you're saying. And, and I, I, get and I think saying. that's that's part of what the 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 thing with Venom is, though, right? Is it 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 gives him that that confidence and that strength to do it. You know, he's he's yeah. I'm nobody without that suit. <laughs> you know <laughs> oh, what I mean? God. It's sort of that same mentality where he needs they need each other just in that, that Venom needs him to survive. I think that Brock needs him to 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 get on with his daily life all right, all right. i think they need each other they they it is a, a called a symbiote for I was a reason to say yeah. 
So what was up with the mistreatment of Dr. Dan? He seemed like a really great guy, you know, but Anne basically cheated on him with Eddie when she made out with him in the woods, all symbiotic. I mean, they kissed. Oh, that's cheating, man. That's bullshit. And then why? But why even include him as a bigger character in the film if you're not really going to have an arc for him or you're not going to do anything other than him just being a really nice doctor? Well, I think that's. So I think that, you know, Eddie and what's her name? Uh, I always I keep forgetting um, Michelle Michelle Williams. We'll just say okay. <laughs> Anne. Her name is Anne. Okay, so Eddie and Anne were together for a long time. They were engaged to be married, and they had the falling out. And six months has passed since that falling out. And while I get, I understand your frustration and what you're saying. Uh, they do have a history together. It was a kiss. She wants to say forget it. She does say forget it, uh, and that she is not going to tell Dan and that they're just going to go move on with their lives. Like it was a mistake. We shouldn't have done it. And I think that's a very human moment. Not to say that it's okay, but you know, there was, I don't, you didn't watch vampire diaries or, no. or the originals or anything like that. No. Right. Well, so Klaus, he sent the Klaus. <laughs> he is, he is the, the oldest vampire and he is in love with, uh, a woman and she is not prepared to settle down with him. And he says something like, you know what? It's okay. You do what you got to do. I'm okay with him being with you now. Cause I'll be with you forever kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's really sweet. And I think that this is a fun way of kind of having that moment where, you know, you go be with him and realize that it's not going to work and then come back to me when you're ready kind of thing. Right. I thought that was cute. And, uh, their future was uncertain. He's going off to f- to fight to save the world. He could end up dying. We don't know what's going to happen to him. I think that uh, no one wants to die alone or or die scared. And maybe them having that kiss was something that could maybe ease the tension, baby. Ease the tension. Ease the tension, baby. So uh, the CGI in this movie was a complete mess, in my opinion. I thought <laughs> I it was. So. I thought it was so ugly and. <laughs> there's a reason venom was was shot at night and we both know that a lot of nighttime see a lot of cgi is shot in nighttime settings to mask how bad it is and that's how i really felt in this movie i think there were some parts that were okay but the boss fight was an absolute mess at the end i had no idea what was going on they were having like a symbiotic orgy it just it looked like shit to me and that was bugging the hell out of me but i clearly it didn't bother you (laughs) It did not, no. I mean, it's just two goos fighting each other. <laughs> two goos. <laughs> you got the goo on the left, you got the goo on the right. And then they and then they come together to make a mega goo. And a lot of goo. It, <laughs> it didn't it didn't bother me at all. Yeah. Like so I I don't think it was a mess, but I don't know, maybe I'm blind. I I I tried really hard to look for bad CG and I didn't see it. I, I think that what they have to work with is is really hard to do. I think when something is animated, you can get away yeah. with making a, a venomy goo and a carnage goo, and <laughs> and they could and they could do all kinds of goo stuff together. But uh, when it's live action, it's definitely tricky. And and even some of the best movies, I, I I notice weird CG moments. And you know, right off the bat, I can talk to you know, speaking about uh, Avengers and how when when uh, Hulk 
when Bruce Banner was in the Hulkbuster suit and he just looks like a floating head. Yeah, it's bad. And it looks so <laughs> garbagey. It's like, so bad. That to me looks terrible. Yeah. Uh, or even like with with Justice League and the and this whether it be the Snyder cut or the or the theatrical release, the the whole sequence where they're fighting off uh you know Darkseid on the planet uh, you know thousands of years ago and Earth's mightiest warriors come together, that looks so video game yeah. to me. Like to me, that is bad CG. Whereas in this case, it was it was two blobs trying to to fight each other. So I mean, I could tell that they were blobs, and I could tell that they were having problems with each other, and and they were telling yo mama jokes to each other while they're 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 a gooey mess. But I never thought this looked cheap or this looked bad. Mm-hmm. Whereas I immediately felt that way with with Hulkbuster suit and um, the the CG battle in Justice League. Yeah. Do you think that uh, Carnage, do you think in the sequel they're going to improve on it or are they just going to have another goo orgy again with him and Carnage? So I, I think that they'll improve on it. I think they learned a lot while doing this. But one cool thing about Carnage is he's red. So yeah. there's going to be a black goo and a, and a red a goo. Red goo. Maybe, so. maybe a little yellow goo if we get lucky. <laughs> so I think that there's, it's going to be a lot easier to see what's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you have two, when you have a dark, uh, when you have a black and a, maybe a little bit darker black going against each other, it's, it's hard to see. So <laughs> I think, and especially when it's at night. Yeah. And uh, I think that it'll, it'll go along further and i think i also think that the budget will probably be more because uh you know the coming off the success of of the first film i think that that makes a, a big difference yeah okay okay fair enough um and then so the like i said the issues with the act structures the genres i felt like this movie was just kind of all, an assembly line cut almost but it was cut down you know what i mean how I don't want to talk about Zack Snyder's Justice League, but that movie felt like an assembly line cut where they he puts everything in there for no fucking reason. And so this movie felt like they needed to cut a lot of things to get it to a PG-13 rating. And maybe there's a longer version of this movie out there that I would probably be more interested in seeing because there were certain story arcs that went nowhere. So what was the point of even having the uh, cell phone pictures of all the... Um, you know, the other experiment test people, he went up to his boss's old office and he said, look at the cell phone, right? That went nowhere. I don't know if you remember that or not, but like, yeah, I do. I mean, that was, that was going to be the proof that, that, uh, Riz Ahmed was a, was a bad man. But why even put it in there? If he, if he ended up dying, they like did nothing with it. Well, (laughs) well, they didn't know that that was going to happen. Um, at the time he was just going there to, to expose him to get, the help that he needs. No one was believing him. Uh, and so it wasn't until the, the rocket ship was going up that, that that was a change of plan. But in the meantime, it was, hey, I'm not crazy. This is terrible things happening. But my simple solution for that then, do when him and Anne are talking, show like a newspaper saying Carlton Drake is actually really evil and the life force or whatever it's called uh, Life Foundation, they're actually really bad and they're do- do- doing these experiments because then that shows, okay, so it wasn't in vain. There was a point of him giving the cell phone because otherwise it just goes nowhere. And to me, that just doesn't make any sense. Okay, I understand what you're saying. Like after, after the explosion, after the day is mm-hmm. saved, it's a, it's a, there's a piece that says, holy smokes, there's a meds a bad guy. Yeah, exactly. 
I understand. I, 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 mean, I mean, that might have existed and it might have got cut out. Yeah. I don't know. And that's how I feel about this. Um, I mean, even there were dumb little mistakes too, like when Riz Ahmed, who is basically like evil Elon Musk, right? He has this amazing facility and they're like, who did you bring in here to Jenny Slate's character? Like, we don't know who it is, even though we probably have security cameras everywhere. Like, how did he not check the fucking security tapes? Right. So, I mean, they do. It doesn't show them, but the that Bill Burr looking motherfucker. Yeah, I is, thought it was Bill Burr at first, too. <laughs> he, he he knows that she's the one that brought him in. Right. Uh, so he looks at the security footage. I think when when um, Riz Ahmed first gets there, he's just like, oh, my God, what happened? You know, he's not. He's not concerned with... He's hoping someone has the answer. He doesn't want to have to get the answer. He's hoping someone has it. Mm. And everyone's playing dumb, which is why he fires them. Like, who the fuck are you in charge of my security? Why are you even here? You're fired. Get out of here. Uh, You're obviously terrible at your jobs. Yeah. And so that's where that whole piece falls in. So yeah, there definitely are cameras. She gets caught uh, because you know they they, they look at it. Sure, it's off camera, but we, we know that he is aware that she is the the perpetrator. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, and one thing I wasn't really buying either to was Eddie's apartment, how nice it was. That dude was jobless <laughs> and apparently what looking... What are you talking about? It's, he lived in a total dump. <laughs> it wasn't a dump? Are you kidding me? Are you nuts? A place her like... First, her a place her that apartment big, was awesome. But a place that big in San Francisco by himself? Are you kidding me? That has to... That's like a $2,000... Uh, $3,000 a month unit. I, I, right. That place so was remember, not that he bad. Was, so he was a successful reporter. Yes. I think you're forgetting that. I, no, I, under, I understand that. But he it, doesn't have a lot of items. So, I mean, he, he's, he saves his money. He's able, to, he's able to go drinking. He's able to go to the store and buy groceries. He has money saved up. So, I mean, he was successful. He's just now in the process of looking for other jobs. You know, six months goes by and he's just now circling ads because he's you know probably running low on funds so i mean it for, for me i interpret it as he had been living off of the money that he'd been making but his his apartment was total garbage the lights mm-hmm. didn't work in the hallways the 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 walls were painted all gross it, yeah the size was big i don't know about that <laughs> oh my god i because I, I read your comment and i was like yeah. what is he talking about so i i i purposely paid attention to his his apartment and just the tenants that are there in the building, you know, they're that, like that rock dude. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a it's a dicey looking place. He could be a rock star for all you know. He's not. <laughs> he is. He just chooses that life because <laughs> he's because he needs to. So. But his 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 fiance's uh, apartment. Yeah, was super was nice. Amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was like the full house house. And it was well lit. And then every time we see his place, it's always dark and gross. Mm hmm. So. I think you just missed that. I mean, I, I, I can appreciate I, I, you looking at know. square footage, but the walls and the actual uh, ambiance of the place was gross. You would not take your pants off in that. I don't know. I probably would. Who knows? We'll see. But uh, yeah. Anyways, man, that's all I really have. Um, what are your final thoughts in your letter grade for for Venom? Sure. So I, I think... For what it is, I enjoyed it. I think it's I had a lot of fun. I did not take myself too seriously and I went in with zero expectations and I feel that I was rewarded for that. I do believe the movie has a villain problem. I think that Riz Ahmed is a throwaway villain Mm -hmm. and uh, that's unfortunate. But at the same time, it's not about good versus evil. It's more about Eddie Brock just coming to terms with living with this new symbiote that 
that resides in his body. Parasite. I think Tom Hardy <laughs> did a, a great job. I I was laughing and enjoying myself. I think it had the the perfect mix of of comedy. And then you know you were talking about uh, I, I forget when we had this conversation, but it was something about one of the lines where he's like, you know, you'll be an armless, legless, something or other, rolling down the street, like a turd. And, <laughs> yeah, down. there you go. And I think I equate that to him just not being aware of of how insults work and <laughs> sort of like a like a like a Huxley from from Demolition Man. How right. She's like, you really licked his ass, you know, and, <laughs> you know, there's a new shepherd in town and uh, stuff like that. Like he still needs to to get his feet wet as far as put downs go. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't see that, but I get I, I get what you're what you're saying. It's otherworldly. Yeah, no, I get it. So what's your what's your letter grade then for it? Uh, I'd probably give it a like a B minus C plus. Okay. Right. I mean, it's 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 there are pretty amazing comic book movies out there. Uh, this one is not amazing, but it's definitely not bottom of the barrel. Right. I think it is a very middle of the road comic book movie, which isn't a bad thing, considering how many we've gotten over the course of the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. I think to be in the middle is a win. Yeah. So and I think that what you kind of said it resonates. If I would have gone into this movie without any real cares, any idea behind it, not watched the trailers, um, didn't have any expectations, then I would have enjoyed it more than I did. There were moments that I was like, oh, okay, you know, I was watching it, but for the majority of the film, I just was like, oh my God, is it over? And it was it just, it wasn't good for me. I, I mean, I, we've spent the last hour and 20 minutes discussing why, excuse me, <laughs> why I don't like it. And it's it's just one of those films that I don't need to see again ever. Um, but with that being said, I do want to see a sequel. Um, so it's a D plus for me. And the only reason D. Yeah, the uh, it's not a grade they like to give out. No. I'll tell you that right yeah, I know the, the, the D plus. The D plus is, is like I didn't like anything about this movie, really. Um, but the plus is I do kind of want to see a sequel. But even fucking Woody Harrelson looked so goofy with that goddamn wig. Um, I mean, I get it, Cletus Cassidy, but it just looked so odd. So I, I don't know, man. Ruben Fleischer is a weird director. He's only really done one good movie, and that was Zombieland because the sequel was awful. Gangster Squad was awful. 30 Minutes or Less had funny parts, but it was pretty bad. And then, um, I mean, I don't really know what else. I think that's all he did. I, who knows about Uncharted? I guess we'll see what happens with that. But so far, he's he's been shooting some misses. But uh, that's that's my ranking, man. And I'm sticking to it. So is that it? Is that the show? That's it. Cool beans. I watched it on Justin's copy because he owns it. He owns it in 4K, in 8K, on Betamax, on everything. So I watched his copy on Vudu. It is not streaming. It was on Hulu for a long time, but they took it off because they realized how bad it was. So go check out your copies now. Anyways, (laughs) go to the library and rent it. Go to your local library books check them out so anyways thank you for listening to the don't be crazy podcast remember to follow us on twitter at db crazy pod at edgy armo and at zachdale 60 where you can share your thoughts with us and we will discuss them on our show heck you can even tell us what movie you think we should watch for our next episode please also be sure to check out the spectacular remarkable fantastic geek legacy podcast with david randy and justin a lot of fun guys they are the most bosom friends and they're great um as well as the awesome pixelated podcast with Stephen k james they discuss video games and all that nerdy goodness Mm -mm -mm. 
just please remember, don't be crazy. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much.